The insurance industry is the backbone of the economy. It's the reason we're able to take risks, and it's the force that helps put us all back together when disaster strikes. So in this podcast, I'll be spending some quality time with key CEOs and leaders to ask them how certain world events can impact the insurance industry and how the insurance industry is impacting the world. We'll also be talking about how they rose to the C-suite. It seems like people either fall into the insurance industry almost by accident, or they have a family connection to it. Our guest today will share how a two-week temporary assignment led him to an insurance career spanning two decades. I'm Meg Green, Managing Editor of the online insurance magazine Insider Engage, and this is CEO Perspectives. Our guest on today's episode is Jeremy Noble, President of Insurance at Markel. I met Jeremy in Markel's suburban offices in Glen Allen, Virginia, where he talked about the company's friendly and cohesive culture, the important role insurance plays in society, and how the industry must do more to improve its public image. Thank you so much for speaking yeah, with me today. Yeah, absolutely. Great to be here. Where did you start? Where were you born? Yeah, so interesting sort of background. So I was born in, in Lansing, Michigan, and my father, Thomas Noble, um, was a medieval history professor. At five years of age, we moved to Charlottesville, Virginia, where I grew up. So you're not too far from Charlottesville today, right? How far are we? We are 60 miles, so an hour from Charlottesville. My parents retired there. I have friends because I grew up there. I still get back to Charlottesville pretty uh, pretty regularly. So, Did you grow up wanting to get into insurance? I definitely had no idea. Insurance was not on my radar, and, and probably like many people that find themselves in the career, you, you either... Uh, sort of fall in by chance or, or luck, or, or maybe you have someone in the family. I didn't have anyone in the family. Insurance wasn't on the radar at all. I was a uh, uh, an accounting major at University of Richmond, where I, gra- I graduated. And when I went to school, I didn't really know what I was going to study. I ended up going into business. I ended up going into accounting. And I probably subconsciously did that because my father had all the arts and humanities covered, covered off. Um, when I I started my career with KPMG on the assurance side. In the fall of 1998, uh, I was assigned for a two-week assignment to go to Red Bank, New Jersey, and visit uh, what was investors, underwriting managers, uh, the brokerage and excess and umbrella business that Markel had just acquired. And that was my first exposure to specialty PNC, my first exposure to Markel as an organization and the people and the culture. And... I found it to be fascinating. Uh, and when I got back, I, I asked uh, the scheduling manager and the senior manager on the job, I said, this was a really great learning experience and a really fascinating company and industry. I would love to be on the account full time. So I rolled onto the Markel account and I, I joined Markel 21 years ago in 2002. They came and sort of offered me. So I, I kind of by chance, and I'm, and I'm glad it was fortuitous that it ended up that way. So in those two weeks, what was it about Mark, the Mark, or would be soon Markel business. What captivated you about it? You know, there was, um, I could just tell, you know, being kind of linked as an, an extension of the financial services market, there was a level of sort of complexity and sophistication about the business, the business models, the work itself. I mentioned earlier sort of the, just the language of insurance was, was fascinating to me. And I can remember a really early exchange where I was talking with uh, more senior members of the audit team, and they were highlighting that one of the things about insurance is you could be in the industry for 40-plus years, and you will still 
every day learn something new. And there was something about Markel, even in that quick two week period, I could still just tell like, this is a good company, good, good people doing business the right way. How could you tell they were good people? What, what was it about them? Now, remember, I, I started my career as an auditor. And, and the interesting thing about an auditor is you can probably learn a lot about a company, about how they treat their auditors. Because I had some uh, engagements and accounts where it was pretty dreadful the way I was, uh, uh, where we would sit, where we would be located, the way we would be treated. Uh, and Markel, we were invited to help ourselves to, you know, breakfast snacks. Uh, we were invited to, to go for a beer. People would check in with us. They were very responsive and communicative. Uh, and I just realized what I witnessed and observed, and I, and I still to this day do, is, you know, you would just watch interactions between people, and they were having fun. They were just enjoying uh, each and every day, uh, whatever the work they were doing, uh, the time they were spending with their colleagues. And when that persists throughout the entirety of an organization, I mean, that's a special sort of thing to be a part of. So you could just observe it and feel it and experience it. So if you had to sum up what it is you like most about the insurance industry, what would it be? The people. I think without a doubt, uh, both inside of Markel and more broadly across the industry, insurance is very collegial. And I think most people that have been in insurance for a while will speak to one of the things they love the most, are the relationships and the collegiality and the uh, ability to sort of have, while competing or, or working together and serving one another, uh, there's a lot of alignment in the idea of building, you know, building the industry, building the market, solving problems, helping others. Uh, and I think there's a lot of common ground that, that exists. So the people is obviously a great part. We sort of touched upon earlier, I think the, uh, uh, the complexity of, of, the, of the business, I think the, the problem-solving aspects, I think the ability to help with regards to risk management and risk transfer and innovation uh, is just fascinating. Um, oftentimes, uh, you sort of get the question of, like, how do you spend a typical day? And, like, there's no such thing as a typical day in insurance. If there was anything you could change about the industry, what would it be? Most likely would be tied to how we address the story that we tell and the understanding the society has more broadly around property casualty insurance. You know, I think we sometimes talk about the fact that we have a little bit of a PR issue, we have a little bit of an image issue. And when we start thinking about matters like how we address the protection gap or how we justify our product and pricing or how we combat social inflation and, and maybe sort of society's reactions to claims and what's happening with juries and awards, or when we talk about recruiting diverse talent into the industry. All of those types of examples are negatively and adversely impacted by the fact that we as an industry still struggle to really have our story be understood. And when you juxtapose that with the fact that this is a collective industry that while is one part focused on delivering an appropriate return uh, and is focused on financial performance. At the root of it is, is focused on providing a promise of trust, to be there for insureds on their worst day, to follow through on a commitment that we make, to allow for businesses to grow, for risks to be taken, for innovation to occur. It's an industry that's built and designed to be really a force for good. I don't think that's really that well understood. So. Um, if we could solve for that, I think a lot of the other problems we face as an industry and challenges that we have would be a lot easier to solve for. 
I think you're right. You make a really good point there. Um, in the mainstream media, we hear about insurance a lot when something goes wrong, when something isn't covered, when there's a problem. You don't hear about all the times everything goes according to plan and the claim is covered and people are made whole again. How do you close that gap, that perception gap? I wish I knew. I, th- I, think, I think there's a handful of things we can do. Some of these things are things like what we're doing right now. Right, having uh, great, talented individuals in media shining a light on insurance and, and highlighting stories uh, and bringing that to different sort of media platforms for people to maybe express curiosity around. Without a doubt, you know, I know this is true for Markel. I know this is true broadly across the industry. Um, we are really focused on early careers. You know, spending time uh, getting on college campuses, starting to tell the story of, of insurance. Um, there's also things that we have to be able to do uh, as an industry, I think, with, with governmental agencies and institutions to help also deliver somewhat with, with credibility um, what we're trying to do to justify a pricing, a product, a coverage, uh, conditions that need to be met in order to be successful. The more we can do collectively as an industry to help explain and justify and rationalize what we're doing and why, and if we can get that to the consumer a little bit more, um, that would be helpful. But it's a, it's a challenge. It's a challenge without a doubt. Okay, so you mentioned you've been with Markel 21 years. How have you seen the company evolve during that time? It, it started as this uh, sort of modest, uh, you know, specialty U.S.-based uh, PNC insurer, and we've built it into a leading global specialty insurer with insurance, reinsurance, program services, insurance-linked securities capabilities. You know, we trade across the globe now. We're active and operate in the largest placement hubs in the world. When I first was exposed to Markel, we were somewhere around, I think, 800 employees. We're in excess of 5,000 now. And for all that, all that change and all that evolution that I've seen in the last 25 years, one of the things I think is really important to highlight that I think is fascinating is, is maybe the constant the thing that hasn't changed. And that really, I go back to, to what I was speaking a little bit earlier our system of values here at Markel and, and, and our culture and what we define as the Markel style. And we're sitting in the Markel studio doing this interview. There's a, a framed copy of this hangs on the wall. And I took a picture earlier. There's a special kind of brochure and it says, work hard, pursue excellence, and keep the sense of humor. Yes. <laughs> the sense of humor is such an important part of what we, uh, what we do. That might have been back to the why, why did I end up coming to Markel and what did I observe early on in the people was there were probably a lot of people laughing. And uh, I think that's a good thing. If you walk up and down or uh, the floors and around any Markel uh, office, anywhere in the globe, mind you, you're going to see sort of a lightheartedness and, and, and folks sort of focusing and excelling in the idea of a sense of humor. And some people might be surprised by that outside of the insurance industry, because we tend to think of insurance as being very serious and very dense, you know, documents, very hard to read. Just how does that work? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great, um, I don't necessarily know how it came to be. But what I do know is, is that we can't ever lose it, because I think it is something that, uh, that is special and that people that are part of the company uh, sort of sort of look for. Do you think we hear a lot that the insurance industry is really a relationship business, that it's the people that makes it special? Is that, Would you agree with that? Yeah, totally. You know, we, um, I mentioned earlier, we, we recently 
rolled out sort of a new brand identity. And, and I was very much educated early on, uh, you know, 18 months ago about really what goes into a brand proposition. And it is, it is not about colors and icons and things that maybe sort of people sort of see the visual representation of the brand, but it's really about the promise of an experience still delivered. And so we had to study and think deep and hard about what defines us and creates distinctiveness at Markel. What's been our secret to success? In order to do that, we needed to spend a lot of time interviewing and understanding through the eyes of others, through the eyes of our employees, through the eyes of shareholders, through the eyes of our, our trading partners and clients. And everything brought us back to the idea of people and being relationship oriented and us sort of having the idea of like, we will focus on trying to out relationship anybody. So we have this idea of, of being a leading global specialty insurer, but of having a truly people first approach. And we mean that with regards to our employees, our customers, uh, stakeholders of all sorts, and, and honestly connecting in the communities in which we, we operate. So all of that is, is focused on and centered on sort of people. So now as the president of insurance operations at Merkel, how do you see the company continuing to evolve? I don't know what five or 10 or 20 or 50 years are going to bring here at Markel. What I am confident of is that uh, we will be here. Today, our insurance operations is a collection of five businesses. And again, in, in insurance, global in nature, reinsurance, program services, ILS, um, quite possibly we'll have more businesses that form part of that insurance platform. Undoubtedly, we'll have more products and more capabilities. We'll be thinking about how do we innovate and serve the needs of clients and how risks will evolve from today into the, into the future. Um, it's likely that our geographical presence and mix of business will continue to evolve. I would anticipate will be more significant across continental Europe and Canada. I'm intrigued by the opportunities that may exist to grow over time across the wider Asia-Pacific region. We have a small, very modest operation there um, today, but it's growing and it's profitable and it's vibrant. And we see, um, you know, we see the opportunities that exist in that, in that market as, as well. And so I, I think um, the mix of our international business I would anticipate that our growth in Asia will outstrip the overall growth over the next, call it five to 10 years. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I was looking at, at your book and it seemed like you had decreased your direct underwriting on the property cat side and, and maybe had focused more on the ILS business through uh, Nephilia. So first of all, is that a, a, fra- a fair interpretation? Yeah, um, a couple things in that in that space. So certainly, we, we acquired uh, Nephila in two thousand eighteen, and they brought um, obviously ILS capabilities and the ability to transfer uh, property catastrophe risk to alternative capital at a period of time in which we were studying our. Um, our sort of volatility profile and the exposure we had to CAT, and we wanted to manage some of that down. Now, we had it in lots of different ways. We also had a retro book uh, at, the, at the time. We really wanted to consolidate our sort of capabilities, in particular around property CAT reinsurance with Nafila. We felt like we had a best-in-class team, a best-in-class platform, um, and that it made sense in some ways because of 
uh, I think some of the principles and some of the compelling value proposition of ILS, it made sense to sort of focus that. So we still very much have, you know, property writings, more on an insurance basis. We do have some relationships on the direct side where Nafila will support and originate risk for the benefit of Nafila and their investors. Uh, to a certain degree, but we still we still certainly have a, a, a right now a growing uh, property per, a portfolio as well. So you don't see the in general the property catastrophe market shifting more to the ILS space. I don't, I don't know so much about the shift or the total sort of market composition, but I do believe over the longer term, uh, ILS will continue to grow, and that there's a pretty compelling value proposition. So and so clearly, and we recognize this relative to our own affiliate operations. We have more work to do, not only on how we think about pricing the product and creating the right sort of transparency and understanding with our investors around how we're pricing the product, and then we need to be able to also um, help investors understand really what they're signing up for and the nature of the losses they might be exposed to and the probability of those losses and, and what that looks like. And that, I think, will continue to evolve. But those first principles sort of matters. I think mean that ILS over time will continue to grow and be and be vibrant. And looking out over the industry today, what do you see as the major challenges? You know, clearly the industry is dealing with the effects of inflation in all its forms, the economic and social inflation. We're seeing that manifest itself in back year development, particularly in say the 2015 to 2019 longer tail lines of, of business. And what we're realizing today is that business that we put on the books at the end of the sort of softer market cycle isn't as profitable as we anticipated it would be at that point in time because things have changed so much since 2019. And so the industry is grappling with addressing that and then factoring that into well, what does that pretend then to the business we're putting on the books right now with regards to rate adequacy. I worry a little bit as far as the challenge to the insurance industry, I worry a little bit about a lack of sort of long-term orientation that exists. I think across the wider space, everybody that touches the insurance industry, I think we'd be better served at times if we had a little bit of a longer term uh, time horizon and orientation. I think that um, there are many things that sort of uh, extend off of that concept, but among them are a production gap and uh, increasingly feeling like there are risks that aren't being insured or in regions that, that risks can't be insured and, and, and those problems are going un, unsolved. The growth in the MGA, MGU space uh, has been so tremendous the last few years and I'm wondering if it might lead to a repeat of, uh, you know, companies, uh, quote unquote, gave away the pen. You know, we had companies like Frontier and Reliance went under a number of years ago because of that. Will there be a repeat in history of that? Overall, the MGA, MGU space has definitely been growing significantly. MGAs today, to contrast to sort of previous episodes, uh, I think they're more sophisticated. I think they have better underwriting, actuarial, data and analytics, uh, operational capabilities than once was the time. I think incentive models and alignment is, is more in focus than, uh, than, than quite some time ago. And that's incredibly important. You know, that's certainly what we're looking for at Markel is to, to make sure that we have the right sort of alignment. Um, I don't think the pen is really being given away the, the way it once was. How do you see the industry continuing to evolve going forward? 
Well, Meg, that's a great question as, as well. I think uh, it wouldn't surprise me if we see some more consolidation in the space. Uh, we've seen lots of broker consolidation in recent years. I think in the next few years, we may well see some consolidation activity on the carrier side. Be it through consolidation or otherwise, I think a lot of organizations are going to continue to focus on scale, how they use scale to drive efficiencies and productivity. I have to imagine there'll be more developments over the next, you know, call it five years around public-private solutions, around larger, more systemic risks that are creating aggregation challenges and issues and concerns on both the industry and for governments. I think one of the things that I really do have some confidence around over the next several years is that the industry is going to move past some of that pain from legacy technology. Uh, I really think that the, the, the amount of acceleration and activity of addressing, modernizing the technology stack, of really figuring out how to advance efforts around data and insights to drive better risk management outcomes, the tools that are available to us today and the way we're implementing and utilizing them, it just feels like it's so much more impactful and more accelerated than it was for the past you know, 20, 20 years. So I really am hopeful in that space. And I hope that we, as we evolve, going back to the conversation we had earlier, I hope that the industry continues to find a way to better tell its story and to be better understood and to have folks feel compelled to want to come join and be, and be part of uh, the insurance industry and the, and the good that I think that we're, that we're creating. So I think there are only great things ahead for the insurance industry, and I absolutely feel that's the case for, for Markel. Excellent. Well, Jeremy, thank you for speaking with me today. Yeah, it was great being here. Thanks a lot. It was a lot of fun, Mike. In this episode, I've learned why Jeremy Noble loves the insurance industry and Barkel. I found his optimism about the future inspiring. At the root, he says insurance is a relationship business with the noble purpose of being there for insurance on their worst days. What also stood out for me was even while doing the serious business of insurance, humor and friendliness were also highly valued. For more information on specialty insurers, please visit our website, insiderengage.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends, and you can register on our website to be notified of future episodes when we'll speak to another industry leader to share their insight and their story of how they rose to the C-suite. Thanks to Jeremy Noble for speaking with me and for the Markel Communications team, Jen Blackwell, Chelsea Rarick, and Jim Sloan for hosting me. Our producer, Richard Myron at Earshot Strategies for always making us sound good. And my Delinean colleagues, Goran Panzik, Celine Frost, Kareem McGarrow, Michelle Heatherly, Emma May, and Pierre Agavala for their help and support. For Insider Engage, I'm Meg Green. <laughs>